Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. We're going to get to our notes here in a second. If you need a copy of the notes, raise your hand and Joe will make sure you get a copy. Thank you, Joe. But you know, for those of you, I just feel like the Lord is still staying on this, so I'm going to stay on it for a little while longer. But you know, I grew up Catholic, and I, I can remember watching, we'd flip the channels, and you'd see the church services where people were getting, the, the preachers were getting words of knowledge and wisdom, and people were getting out of wheelchairs and crutches, and he was calling people out in their marriages and getting healed. And you know, the joke in my family was that they had people scoping the crowds out, right? And the preacher would have an earpiece and someone would tell him what was happening. And so we, it was all fake. We thought they were nuts. And, um, you know, I can, I can remember getting born again and seeing stuff and being like, yeah, I ain't never going to one of them churches. Mm-mm, them people are nuts. And then I'll never forget, you know, the, the, when I, I get baptized in the Holy Ghost while I'm at the state penitentiary for women in Louisiana working a revival weekend. And then I end up in New Orleans at Victory Fellowship. And I'll never forget hearing a woman preach by the name of Heidi Baker, missionary to Africa. And she had tasted of the glory of the Lord in such a way that she couldn't even stand before the people that night. She hid inside the pulpit, hid as she shared her message. All you heard was her voice. And she talked about the love, the love of God. In such a way that broke my heart. It compelled me. It gripped me to my inner core. And I can remember as during the altar call. I don't even know what happened or how she did it. But I can remember. I would have been back behind the, the, the sanctuary there. Is a little, just a little bit bigger. And back behind our last row of pews would have been like an empty section. And then another set of pews. And I would have been somewhere back there by those doors. Off to the left here. And I can remember finding myself on the floor, wailing, wailing in the presence of the Lord, kicking my legs like a little fish swimming, hitting the ground a little bit, because I was so overwhelmed by his presence. I was so overwhelmed by the magnitude of his love. And I can remember finding myself praying, Lord, Lord, I want to love you. I can remember him saying, Heather, I just want you to love me, but I do love you. Help me love you, but I do love you. How can it be? I'm born again. Of course I love him. God doesn't even make sense, Lord. Heather, will you love me? What do you mean? But something in that woman that night, something of Christ in her gripped me because I saw something in her that I lacked. There was a tangible experience, a tangible encounter with the person of Christ that she'd had beyond anything I'd ever experienced. It was beyond fable. It was beyond myth. It was beyond story. It was reality. And I had yet to experience it. That's what gripped me. 
by the Holy Ghost, it gripped me. And he kept saying, Heather, I want you to love me. Couldn't get past it. In my mind, I did love him. Don't you know I'm born again? My inner man's been awakened. I love you. Heather, I want you to love me. And then the scripture came. It's my memory. That, that, that What's the greatest scripture of all? That you're going to love the Lord your God with what? With all your mind. With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your strength. And when that scripture came, I realized in a moment of time, I lack the ability to be able to love him with all my heart. With all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength, I lack that ability. And I began to cry even harder, Lord, can you just help me to love you? Show me how. I don't even get it. I don't even get it. It's moments like we had tonight that those things begin to compel us forward begin to take us from where we are in our relationship with Christ and propel us further into his presence, propel us further into his glory, propel us further into into maturity as a believer, that it's not just a head knowledge. He said to love him with all of our mind, yes, but then it's got to go beyond that. It's got to, with all of our soul, with the deepest, innermost parts of who we are, it's got to go beyond just this. This is part of it. Why do you think I like to study so much? He shows up in the word. But then it's got to go here. It's got to go to the innermost parts of who we are. And then with all of our strength, he didn't save you and I so we can be some flailing. Woe is me. I'm going to give up. No. We are warriors. We are kings and priests in the kingdom of God. And he wants you and I to saddle up. Get up on the front line and be ready. Be ready to go. We've got to get beyond where we, what we've experienced and where we've been and realize who he's created us to be and what his blood offers today, today in your life, today in my life. And so when we have the opportunity, which is every day in every way, to step in, to step behind the veil, we can't get apathetic. I can remember the very first time I went to an altar call. I was in a youth service. I was a youth leader, but I had yet to be at the altar call. And this pastor was a friend of mine. He's about 10 years younger than me, and he was wild. He's a Brazilian guy, and he was like, Wah! he works like a crazy man. And it was sometime, I don't know, but he did this altar call, and I was like, that crazy boy ain't never laid hands on me. He's just wild. But he did that altar call, and I felt that tug again. And I was like, oh, man. Man. And you know what brought me up there? What am I going to miss in Christ? What am I going to miss in him by not going up? Suddenly, I didn't care who it was laying hands and what, how crazy I thought they were or what people thought of me, or what I thought may or may not happen, what I began to understand is that something compelled me, meaning it was the Holy Ghost in me that knew that's where I was supposed to be. And I'll never forget, he barely laid hands on me. I was out. Didn't understand how it happened. Didn't want to understand how it happened, but knew that I had something for God, from God that night. That night I had a vision of me laying hands on people and seeing people transformed by his power in that building. I had no idea at that point I would ever pastor. 
and would preach hundreds of times in that very building and see hundreds of young people born again and hundreds baptized in the Holy Ghost and hundreds set free. But he knew that. And that night he began to play something in my inner man for my good and for his glory. And so church, this is Wednesday night. Like Grace said, you be some of the leaders. We can't be distracted or embarrassed or ashamed of what happens up here. We're very sensitive to the fact that, that, that Ohio, Ohio, that all this is new. I get that. But at the same time, it's been around since the days of Christ. The apostles in the New Testament, what? They went around laying hands. Have you believed upon Christ? Have you been born again? Have you received the baptism? Oh, let me lay hands on you. There's a tangible transference. There's something that happens, and you and I can't be ashamed. Amen? All righty. Thank you, Jesus. That was extra. So we're going to take a look at our notes. We'll see how far we get in the next six minutes. <clears throat> how many of you feel like he, he, you, he revealed something new? tonight already, that you've gone to a new place, a fresh place. I have. I have. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. At the bottom of page 1 in Hebrews 1.8, it says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Oh, my friends, <laughs> why do we laugh and why is it okay? <laughs> because he that sits on the right hand of God has been anointed with the oil of joy, with the oil of gladness. And the one who sits on the throne and laughs is the same one who baptizes you and I, is the same one that pours forth himself into our life. And if Christ is anointed with the oil of joy, with the oil of gladness, how much more as he's paid the price for you and I or do we have the ability to walk anointed in the oil of gladness? It's scriptural. It's biblical. We could go through all these, these verses, John 15, 11, that my joy may remain in you. John 17, 13, that my joy may be fulfilled in themselves. Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the few. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Begin to be a partaker into the joy of Christ. What is the joy of Christ? I am so glad that you asked me that. Page two, last, sen last sentence of the first paragraph. It says, the glory of Christ is his infinite, eternal, indestructible gladness in the presence of God. You see, before time ever began, Christ knew the plan. Christ already had the manuscript. He already knew that he would pay the price. He knew the pain and suffering he would go through. But he knows the end result. He knows who's defeated once and for all. He knows the joy of the presence of his Father and the communion that the Father and the Son have in the Holy Ghost. He knows the, the great wedding feast, the great day when we all sit and feast 
at, at the table of our Father and the joy and, and the indescribable euphoria of the family of God as we come together. He knows. He gets it. He can't help but to be anointed with the oil of gladness. He knows it's at the end of the puzzle. Not only is he a man of great joy, but he is a man of sorrow. Isaiah 53.3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. What we can't forget about our Savior is that not only is he all God, but he's all man. He walked and lived in the flesh, and he feels pain, and he feels joy, just like you and I. Luke 19, 41. Well, let's go to um, John eleven thirty three. 33. It says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? He wept over the death of his sweet friend Lazarus. He was very troubled in his inner man. He looks upon you and I, and you don't think it grieves him when he sees us struggling, when it sees us going around the same mountain again? When he sees us lost in despair, that it grieves him knowing the price he's paid for you and I. And yet we choose not to walk in it yet. We choose not to accept it yet. Don't you think he, he sees that and he, in his innermost being, is troubled over the anxieties of our own lives. Through the agonies of Gethsemane and Golgotha, Jesus was sustained by indestructible joy. How do we go through the trials of our life? We don't look at our present circumstances. We know the end result. We get the end result. Why? Because we know he who sits on the throne. We know, we know the last page, the last line of the book is that he reigns. He rules and he reigns. So just like Christ is able to endure the cross because of the joy set before him, you and I can endure this season knowing what's offered on the other side. You know, I, can, I was trying to remember during worship, I can't remember for the life of me who I was talking to within probably the past four days, maybe three days. And whatever situation they're going through, oh, I remember now, thank you, Holy Ghost. And it's, a, it's, it's you know, something that Jesus can only come and make right. And I can remember talking through them, saying let's pray, pray in the spirit for a little while, get scripture, and how many of you know it's great to pray in the Holy Ghost first and get a direction how to pray? Get a scripture, start praying that over them. We pray over it, and God gives me a couple of, you know, think little wisdom points, share it with my friend and say, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, but one thing I know is God is using this and we'll work it out for your good. There's something that will be produced in you on the other side of this for his glory and your good. Do you really think so? I know my God. I know my God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before us in our life, knowing what's to come as you and I cross over on the other side, cross over to our eternal resting place. We know the joy. We know that it's still a win-win, a Cinderella life for you and I. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
And what was all that sustaining gladness? It was the gladness of receiving worship from those he died to make glad in God. The good shepherd rejoices over one lost sheep. How much more over countless armies of ransomed. Think about your babies. Those of you that have children, especially grown children, as you've labored over them. The joy in your heart as one, just one, came into right relationship with the Lord. You didn't even pay the price for it. You laid a foundation of who he was. But Christ himself, that gave himself for you and I, the joy that he receives when one comes to the knowledge of him, when one walks in the fullness of him, but he gets the great joy of the armies of all time that come into his kingdom. You know, when we, that's how, you know, in worship, when we began to sing about the glory of the Lord all across the earth, and, and, and he, he began to open my eyes, wow, yeah, yeah, all across the earth right now, there are people on every continent, in every tribe, in every tongue, that he's doing a work, that he's drawing somebody to himself, that, that he's setting somebody free, that he's healing their body, that he's raising them from the dead, that he's opening wombs that have yet been opened. That's the glory. That's the joy of Christ, that he knew that that day would come, that that is an offered to us. When we begin to get a greater picture of that, you know, there's so many dynamics and the characteristics of who Christ is, but we, we begin to understand the magnitude of his sorrow over the lost. You know, I get so frustrated. You know, give me a junkie, a prostitute any day of the week over some Pharisee. Give it to me. But it gets me so frustrated when you see someone that's just, you know, like the woman on the side of the street by the bridge over there, you know, she's waiting for her money. She's twitching. I'm serious. She's twitching and she's got this jaw thing going. She's hoping you don't see. People get so mad and they just, you look at her, she's wanting my money, stupid druggie. Do you think that's the heart of Christ? When Jesus sits up there, when he sees Lazarus in the tomb and Lazarus' sisters coming out in agony, and in his inner man, he's troubled. He weeps over one. When Christ looks down on that woman, he doesn't look at her and say, look at that. What a waste. He looks with eyes of compassion. When he sees the 14-year-old knocked up, he doesn't look and say, stupid little whore. He says, my beloved, my beloved, I've paid for you. I've paid the price for you. My beloved, his heart breaks for the one. Breaks for the one. Yet we get so caught up over who's sitting in our seed. We've got to get a greater picture of who that. Y'all understand why more and more I'm like, can we fall in love with Jesus? Can we study more of who he is, of his character, of his heart, of his compassion? I'll never forget the day we had friends in from out of town, out of state. We're walking in New Orleans, and the homeless person's there, and they walked all the way on the other side of the street just to get, I mean, totally out of the way because 
I can't walk by that homeless person. They smell. Oh, come here, my baby. Come here, let me hold you. I know you smell like urine, but come here, let me hold you. Let me hold you, because my daddy, my daddy paid the price for you. He sent his son, Jesus. That's the heart of our Savior. He's a man of great joy when he looks upon that person because he knows the day that that knee will bow and that heart will be open to the light of the gospel of Jesus. But yet he weeps for the destruction, the despair that they're in today. That's why we can look at people and call forth. I'll never forget the day in Sunday school where I looked at you, Joe, and said, one day you're going to be a leader. One day, you're not going to look the same. You're not going to talk the same. You're not going to dress the same. You're not going to act the same. Because you're called. You've got a mandate from God. I didn't need to know where he was at. I didn't need to know the stuff that he was dealing in, that, that God was messing and messing around his heart. Because I was able to, with the eyes of Christ, see his son weep for where he is, but rejoice greatly for where he's taken him. And say, rise up, brother. You're marked and you don't have a choice anymore. You've said yes and he's taking you on the journey. Get up, brother, and let's go. I had only met him twice. And yet we look upon those and snuff. That's not Jesus. He looks at where we are and he weeps with us. But with great rejoicing, knows where we're at and where he's taken us to the heart of our Savior. Page 3, even the winds and the waves obey him. Mark 4. Now when they had left the multitude, they took with him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke and said to him, Teacher, Don't you care that we're perishing? How often in our life are we so aware of the storm rising around us? It's not perfect anymore. Where are you, Jesus? Don't you know the trouble I'm in? I'm bothered by this, Lord. Hello. And he's not worried. He's chilling. Then he arose. He rebuked the wind and he said to the steed, See, peace, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm, but he said to them, Why? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see, so many times, just like the apostles, we forget he's sovereign, he's all powerful. He's all-knowing, he's all-holy, and he's able to do as he pleases in a moment of time. He can speak to your storm and stop it, but he can also allow the storm to rage, and he can speak to your inner man, and he can say, rise up, for your time has come. All things obey him. This all things includes the fall of the sparrows, the rolling of the dice, the slaughter of his people, the decisions of kings, the failing of sight, the sickness of children, the loss, and the gain of money, the suffering of the saints, 
the completion of travel plans, the persecution of the Christian, the repentance of souls, the gift of faith, the pursuit of holiness. How's that? You and I can't even decide to pursue holiness on our own. It's the the gift of God in us that calls us forth to desire to be sanctified. I can't even take credit for that. The growth of believers, the giving of life and the taking of death and the crucifixion of his sons. God is sovereign. There's nothing that happens under the sun that he doesn't know about. Psalms talks about where can I go from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. Yet if I go to the depths of Sheol, if I go to the depths of hell, you are still there. You know my laying down and my rising up. You even know my thoughts from afar off. You know the words before they even roll off my tongue, oh God. He knows it all. And all of it is in submission to him. Full, sovereign rule and reign. Meaning God can do absolutely anything that he so desires or pleases at any given time, in any given way, to anybody, how he absolutely wants to. And it's holy and perfect and righteous because there is no evil in him. Notice it said, even our sickness, even the loss of money, even the days of birth and the days of death. I had a great friend who's gone on to be with the Lord say one time, you can't shoot a man that was born to hang. God numbers our days and there's no one but him that controls it. He's fully God, fully sovereign fully in control at all times. There's this girl that I disciple and God, I guess probably eight years ago now. I've been discipling her for a couple years at that point. And at some point, you know, we're sitting in a car and she's going on and on about life. And obviously if it's a couple years down the road, she's not just a baby Christian anymore. She's at least got some fruit right behind her. She's grown a little bit. And she's about all things of life. You get what I mean? And she's so frustrated. And so at some point I look at her after, you know, loving on her for a little while, Jodine, just a little while. I said, well, you do know what sovereignty means, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got that girl. Hold on a second. You do understand the sovereignty of God. And he's fully in control of the situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got that. But you know, I said, oh, no, 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 no. Let's back up a second, dear. There's this book that I want you to read. And I gave her the book. I gave her the author. And I said, you, you go on a journey with him. And you let me know when you understand. And a couple years later, a couple years later, after she was on staff and went through the situation, I watched it happen on the stage. She got down. She came over and she says, you know, I just got it. I just got it. Through all those years, I just got knowing him enough and his goodness and his character and his beauty and his loving kindness and his grace and his mercy and his justice and his power. 
and that he has been at work all this time in all ways, fully in control, fully, before time began in my life and has orchestrated and set up all these events just how they are. You know, I could sit here and go, wah, wah, wah. I can't believe if just my parents would have, or just my teachers would have, or if my coach, you know, I, I got introduced to drugs at college basketball. So it's really not my fault. It's not my fault. If my coach would have done his job, if he would have trained us right, he would have known, and I would have done all those things. And you know where I'd be today? That's hogwash. If I preached that, if I said that junk, I wouldn't believe in the goodness of God. I wouldn't believe in the sovereignty of God. I wouldn't be able to stand before you today proud of who I am today, not ashamed of where I've been because I know the goodness of God. I know the blood of God. I know the power of God for redemption and for salvation for my soul. And I wouldn't change one bit of it. I wouldn't change fighting with my mom all those years. I wouldn't change living with a man getting this back beat out of me day in and day out by this stupid man. I wouldn't change a bit of it because I get to know the goodness of God. So we can't look back over life. We can't look at our current situations and wah, wah, wah and complain and complain and sob story after sob story. We got a man up. We got a woman up. We got to realize what the cross paid for us and stop being sorry Christians and realize the sovereignty and all-powerful goodness of our God and rise up, rise up, get on the front line of the battlefield and ride that horse into the battle proud of what he's done in our life, not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, not ashamed of the life he led. You know what? Somebody's sitting there saying, but it hurts. You don't think all those years of me getting beat up hurt? Of me hiding out for my life because the mafia had a hit out on me? Of seeing the guy's wife walk into my job and wondering if the person she's on the phone with was him. Wondering, oh my God, is she calling him? Are they going to wait for me outside of the mall? Is today going to be my last breath? You don't think I had a little bit of pain from that? Oh yeah. But Jesus came to save me to the uttermost. He came to save you to the uttermost. There's not one thing you or I have experienced that he can't redeem us from. There's not one thing that you or I lack in our being that he can't provide for us. He is a sovereign God. He is a good God. He's an all-powerful, all-knowing God. And he is enough for our situation. He is enough. The good, the bad, and the beautiful. He's still good. I challenge you. I challenge all of us. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.